This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. on the ground and attack on the Gotham Station. Bruce and Dick hit the pole, the Batmobile rolls, time to figure out Riddler's vexation. They uphold the law, stick in Penguin's craw. I hope no one saw, he held Catwoman's paw. When old man had a threaten to splatter Batman's favorite good old chum. Detective creeps in with a kick and a spin, sends him off to Arkham Asylum. So many trades, I don't know which to go for. So many trades, save you some time and a no way. It's a podcast, bad books for beginners. It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman. It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman. Two face-loaded minds, Robin trips fine, and the back up started to sink. Don't count them out or give in to doubt, or sell you stock in Batman Inc. So many trades, I don't know which to go for, so many trades. Save you some time and a no way, it's a podcast, bat books for beginners. It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman. It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 212. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Red Robin, The Hit List. So, Chris, tell us about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, was that, was that a little Paul Simon I might yes, have detected there? Yes, a little, a little 70s Simon. Awesome. You know, that was a song I have fond memories of because uh, that was uh, sitting on the back of the school bus and mm-hmm. me and my sister and a bunch of other kids just singing along to that too. Yeah. We just had a blast. That You could not have done a better job, I would have oh, to say. Thank you. Th- this really ranks right up there. Uh, oh, definitely in your top five. And I, boy, I, I'm going to be hard pressed to, to, to find a place for that one because you really, really did a great job with that one. Thanks. It is so much fun to play. I, I just learned it for the show. And I had no idea how much fun it was to play that song. Oh, excellent job. Yeah, thank you. 
Well, thank you very much, Bat fans, for spending a part of your day with us today while Batman number 188 collects <laughs> dust near my desk. Today we will examine Red Robin, The Hit List. Red Robin, The Hit List is a 128-page, full-color, softcover trade paperback that was published in July 2011, and this appears to have only gone through one printing. This trade paperback reprints Red Robin issue numbers 13 through 17. Those issues were originally cover dated August 2010 through January 2011, and they were individually cover priced at $2.99. If you wish to obtain a hard copy of this story... To get the back issues might be the cheaper route to go, as they seem to hover around cover price from various online vendors, hmm. versus a cover uh, a copy from Amazon.com, which at the time of this recording was going for seventy four dollars and ninety nine cents. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't know if this is available from any of the DC online resources, but here we go. For our creative team, uh, they have been recently mentioned on our podcast before, but perhaps not in the same episode. So here's a short version. Our writer is Fabian Nicienza. He was born on December December 31st, 1961, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. At age four, he moved to New Jersey with his family, and he learned to read and write from comic books. He graduated from Madison Central High School in Old Bridge Township, New Jersey, in 1979. He studied at Rutgers, and he interned at ABC TV Network. His first published comics story was Marvel's new universe title, Cyforce, number nine, in 1987. Hey, I remember that. With Rob Liefeld, he co-created Deadpool, Shatterstar, and X-Force. His other DC Comics credits include Action Comics, Nightwing, and this one we're looking at, Red Robin. Our artist is Marcus Toe, who I think we last mentioned when we covered Red Robin Collision. Toe was born on October 20th, 1983 in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. He's been drawing since childhood when his mother drew pictures for him and then handed him a pencil and he's been drawing it ever oh. since. He's been drawing ever since. Uh, other DC credits include Volume 3 of Huntress Miniseries and the New 52's Batwing. Recent credits include Joyride from Boom Studios and Marvel Comics Age of X-Men Next Gen. It was a miniseries from this year. And additional information can be found on his own website. Over on Amazon.com, this trade paperback has a rating of 4.3 stars out of 5 based on 8 reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 4.1 stars out of 5 based on 1,459 uh, ratings and 33 reviews. But wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Before you turn off our show, you'll have to listen to Jerry's awesome recap and just what do we have to say about it. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Uh, great info, Chris. Thanks so much. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Greetings, Gothamites. Lane here, asking, does the world really need another Batman podcast? Well, of course it does. He's Batman. However, rather than tackle Batman in comic books, movies, or television, my podcast, Batman Books, The Dark Knight and Prose, will follow the caped crusader via the written word, where the only pictures are those formed in the imagination. Each season, I choose a different book to delve into, and each episode dives deep into a few chapters at a time. So join me as I explore the streets of Gotham between the covers of novels and novelizations in Batman books, The Dark Knight and Prose. Welcome back. Here is the story of Red Robin, The Hit List. Now, keep in mind, Dick Grayson is Batman for the time being. 
He and Red Robin are out rounding up criminals, and Red Robin goes to take out Lynx, who is leading her gang called the Dragons. They're pushing into another gang's territory. Now, this is bad because all the gangs are supposed to be having a truce due to the Wayne Foundation hiring them all as community organizers. The Dragons are breaking this truce. Lynx gets away, and the cops show up. The cops include the crooked detectives Cavallo and Wise. What are they doing here? Red Robin finds Lynx and her gang and overhears their plans to have Cavallo and Wise help them gain power quietly. Tim goes to visit Lucius Fox at Wayne Foundation headquarters. Now, Tim is reportedly engaged to his daughter Tamara, to both Tim and Tam's embarrassment. Tim has convinced Tam's older sister, Tiffany, to present a new idea to Lucius. Since he's the Wayne Foundation heir, he didn't really have to ask. But, you know, Tim is a team player. He's a people person. He likes that kind of thing. So Tam knows about Tim's nighttime activities, and they really do need to have a talk soon enough. So Red Robin coaxes Lynx out of hiding by harassing one of her guys. And the two fight in public in front of the people that live on her turf. Lynx is very fast and well-trained, but Tim wraps her up and exposes her face. She tells him that she ha- that he has to let her go because she's actually a member of the Hong Kong police force and is trying to take down the Chinatown gangs. Forget it, Tim. It's Chinatown. So he leaves her for the GCPD anyway, even though she has proved to be help in the past. Now, Tim has quite a long list of baddies he's trying to roll up. He's caught and imprisoned many of them, like Killer Croc, Clayface, Black Mask, and now Lynx. But there are many more to go. He hints that the way he apprehended her was part of his roll-up-the-baddies plan. Tim really thinks ahead. Now, there's a Gotham nightclub that hasn't been paying their taxes to Penguin. So the Big Bad Bird sent over two weirdos to cause trouble. Tim wraps up the first, uh, Brutante, and the second, a woman, escapes, and he can't find her. She disappears. Damien hacks into Tim's computer and is angry at what he finds. Uh Uh-oh, you do not want Damien angry. Uh, When Tim gets back, the two discuss Tim's plans to have one arrest of a baddie lead to another. Uh, It's a bunch of dominoes that he's knocking out in order. So Tim promises to take Damien out on patrol the next night. Damien is stewing about what he found, but is biding his time. (laughs) What could go wrong? So Tim heads out into Gotham. Disables, disables Cavallo and Weiss's car and brings up uh, another guy from his list, picks him up, Roman Marcus. So another, another baddie arrested. The next day, the Wayne Foundation holds a press conference. Tiffany Fox blames some of the problems associated with the community organizers the, called the Neon Knights. Uh, he, she blames it on corrupt GCPD officers. They will give the names of those officers to the DA who will investigate. Now, Tim has put Tiff up to this. He takes the mic and says that they will fight corruption in the GCPD. And he notices that Vicky Vale, who suspects that the Wayne clan is also the Bat clan, she's looking at him suspiciously. Tim is going to have to do something about her. So that evening, Red Robin and Robin Robin, Damien, head out swinging into the Gotham City night. Tim wants to wrap up that villain lady that eluded him from the night before, and she's drinking in her her hotel room. But Damien starts a fight with Tim first, and the commotion alerts the baddie, and she takes off running. Tim catches her and ties her up, but Damien attacks him again. 
Dame uh, Tim beats the punk kid up and is about to really clean his clock before a batarang stops him. It's Dick Batman, and they are fighting in Crime Alley. Come on, guys, not here. Get it together. So back in the Batcave, Damien tells everyone why he is so annoyed at Tim. He shows him what he found on the computer, a list of pictures of heroes with an empty slot and Damien's picture not in the slot. And it looks like it's a list of uh, Tim's allies, and Damien feels like he's excluded. Why? Isn't he a good Robin? Hasn't he done everything everybody's asked him to? He goes off in a huff. Dick tries to encourage Tim to give the kid a break. Cavallo and Wise know Tim is going to pass their names to the DA, so they hire an assassin to kill him. They hire the Scarab, a baddie in bug-looking armor. So Tim sneaks into Vicky Vale's apartment and finds that she has pretty much put together her idea, um, the, the, the plan of, uh, you know, he, that he is Red Robin, the proof. So the bats need a plan to get her off their trail. Tim visits Stephanie Brown, who's now Batgirl. She knows about the Scarab. She's Egyptian and the head of a crime family. Tim has another press conference at the opening of a youth center where he announced he will name the dirty cops. He gets in front of the crowd and is about to say the name of the crooked GCPD members when Scarab shoots him in the leg from a nearby rooftop. But what's this? Red Robin attacks Scarab. But isn't Tim Red Robin? How could they both be in both places? Everyone sees them fight. Red Robin shocks Scarab, which paralyzes the suit, locks her up. They take Tim to the hospital, but it turns out it isn't Tim after all. It's Megan Moores, better known as the shape-shifting Miss Martian. Bullets don't hurt her. That was fun. Now, Vicky Vale doesn't know what to think. Uh, though Tim now is going to have to fake a leg injury for a while. So he gets on some crutches and leg braces and announces to the crowd the bad cops are Cavallo and Wise. Vicky Vale isn't the only one trying to figure out who Red Robin is. Anarchy, the Ulysses Armstrong version, is too. And now Tim Drake has crossed off his list of possible Red Robins. Anarchy, the new one, has the old Anarchy, Lonnie Mackin, hooked up to some kind of machine to control him. He's in like a coma. And Anarchy wants revenge uh, for um, Red Robin, who he blames for killing his brother and sister. It was actually Anarchy's fault, but he blames Red Robin anyway. Lonnie is in a coma and his brain connections um, are set up so he and Anarchy can chat, kind of like the worst chat room ever. So Tim is another press conference, and this time using his fake crutches. He's taking the Neon Knights International. Cool. He has lunch with Tam, who teases him about wearing tights at night. He gets a text from Lonnie, also cool, who says anarchy is on the move. Tim takes off to deal with it. So with Tim Drake off anarchy's list of possible Red Robins, only one possibility remains. Chris Barbaro, and anarchy will now kill him. Luckily, Red Robin stops him. Anarchy sets off a timed explosion in his penthouse, and Lonnie is incapacitated there. Uh, Tim hits Anarchy with a paralyzing toxin, has folks call the police to pick him up, and heads to the penthouse, where he saves Lonnie just before the building explodes. He gets Lonnie to Leslie Tompkins' clinic to be cared for. Tim visits Boomerang in prison and threatens to get even with him for killing his father. Cassandra Kane is still saving people from bad guys now in Hong Kong. She isn't Batgirl anymore, but she's effective all the same. Turns out 
Taking the Neon Knights International is a cover for an overseas info gathering network. Tim visits Cass and wants info on links. She doesn't have any. Tim offers Cass her old Batgirl suit, but she thinks Stephanie Brown needs it more. Tim says, okay, but don't forget you have a family. Now here's some big news, Chris. Bruce Wayne is back. Yay! And, yeah, we'll have more on that next episode. But back in Gotham, Tim has found a new place to live. He bought the building with the movie theater by Crime Alley. You know, the one that played Zorro the night, the night Bruce's parents were killed. So he's moved into the apartment above it. And he's able to chat with Lonnie, who's in a coma. He gets Lonnie to say he's working for him. Tim asks him to hack into the Hong Kong police computer to get info on Lynx. Lynx gets deported back to Hong Kong. But en route, someone tries to kill her. But Red Robin saves her. There's some close hugging and smooching of the two on a Gotham rooftop. Tim resists, kind of, sort of, and gives her the Link mask back. And she sa- uh, she tells him that he's going to have to keep pursuing her to keep up the story. Is she really a cop? Who knows? Not us. She takes off into the night. Batman visits Red Robin. Bruce Batman. Yahoo! <laughs> Tim has suggested Bruce start Batman Incorporated. I've heard of that before. Uh, with all the commotion of Bruce's return, the two really haven't had a moment. They embrace, and that's awesome. And they patrol together in the night. Let's have fun, Bruce says. Wow. <laughs> the end. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too? Oh, oh and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond, and I love comics, too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, This is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... uh, Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza, examining the comics in my long box and the time period surrounding them. 
Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your Longbox? Welcome back. All right, Chris, what'd you think? Jerry, it's been a treat to read the Red Robin trades because I've enjoyed them a little bit more than the first pass I had at them. That said, with this particular volume, I think there are a lot of parts here that, well, might be greater than the sum overall, if that makes any sense. Uh, There was some good banter between the three initially, between Dick and Tim and Damien from the onset. I like that we had Tim just saying, I hate Damien. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. a fun moment. Uh, we, we had a nice Tim and uh, Damien fight. It was nice to see Vicky Vale come back and she's doing what she does best, kind of getting under the skin of, of the people in the back clan. Uh, there was a cool little uh, Brady Bunch illusion that I think we both had in our notes that we'll yep. get to in a moment. We had stuff Batgirl. We had some anarchy and we got some little shipping uh, with uh, yeah. uh, Lynx and uh, Red Robin here, which, which might ire some people, but it was an interesting uh, thing that I did not see coming so a little bit of uh positivity here and here and there here and there here and there and uh i kind of dug this what were your initial thoughts well i you pointed out how um you know tim and damien not getting along and it's really it's funny they uh they use a lot of humor for this tim calls damien uh the uh homunculus i don't know how you pronounce that uh and they change you, you mentioned uh the brady bunch reference they change the password to tim's computer to cousin oliver <laughs> which is a dig against damien cousin oliver of course being the uh the brady bunch uh cousin that came on in the i guess last season of brady bunch or so yes to kind of recover ratings a little yes. bit <laughs> so i thought that was funny yes Robbie Russ. and it's sort of like this uh, thing too, where it gets attributed to uh, jumping the shark within the series, yes. perhaps you know, the, the point at bring on the cute kid to kind of save the ratings at this point. Yeah, so I thought yeah. I thought that was hysterical, and they thought this would be a password that there would be no way Damien could uh, <laughs> have that have that uh, in his nomenclature and have that enter his enter his brain. And I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also thought it was funny when they um, when they were looking into Scarab, she left. The fingerprints of Hosni Mubarak, who's the president of (laughs) Egypt. Um, You know, it's just funny how she got those fingerprints. Um, And I thought that was fun. Uh, Also, you you mentioned, and I think you're right on about this, about this being like a bunch of a bunch of things. We we meet Miss Martian, who I don't really recall seeing in one of these stories. Do you? Uh, More so in the Titans books, but certainly not uh, within any of the Bat Family titles. No. Yeah, so it was kind of fun um, having a shapeshifter show up to to put down a little red herring for folks. I thought that was a lot of fun. I also noticed that um, Dick and and Damien, so they're in their own book at this time. Um, you know, in the in the uh, uh, in the time period of, that this book is taking place, they have their own book, Batman and Robin, and you can see that their relationship is improving and. Um, <laughs> You know, they have a whole book to get to, to know each other. And and Damien really is beginning to get a little less one note. I think he's getting a little more interesting in, in this period of um, bat history, um, whereas at the beginning he was just kind of a pain in the neck. Um, and he still is for Tim. Tim lovers, you know, Damien is still is still a bad guy. But um, I think other people maybe are, are trying to starting to warm up to him a little bit. 
How about you? You feeling you feeling any Damien love here, Chris? Well, just slightly in the sense that uh, we we do get a little bit of digs on him a little bit, and there was a little yeah. exchange they had with Alfred at breakfast, and he says, "Is the quality of my food going to go down if it gets cold? You know, I don't have to eat it now. I'm doing my push ups." And I, I just I just like the banter. It, it's sort of yeah. uh, odd couple esque in a, in a yes. sense. Yeah. With and I could just kind of hear the theme playing in the background when the two of them have their exchanges. It, it's a lot of fun. The the fight scene was executed. Uh, the other thing I had in my note was um, I did want to touch upon uh, Marcus Tozard. I, I think it was mm-hmm. very underrated. Uh, the covers mm-hmm. to the each perspective issue were done by him as well, I believe, and yeah. I thought they were all spectacularly rendered. He does a good job with facial expressions, fights, what have mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. There was nothing really as a standout page for me or a particular panel or a particular splash I, I really couldn't pick one if i had to like pick one i i, I probably would point to one of the covers as one of my mm. favorite pieces but uh overall I, I thought it was very consistent uh i like uh, tim's internal dialogue i think it was a good blend between writer and artist which it was nice to see and these volumes really really tell a decent story uh yeah. pacing i think you know, just when I thought it was dragging, it started to pick back up. So I think, I don't know if Nicienza mm-hmm. was conscious of how he plotted this along, but I really, really dug it. And uh, we got a good supporting cast. I think all the pieces were in order. And it was pretty mm-hmm. uh, overall a solid piece of story here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not exactly sure what um, Tim's plan is. Like, I, I, I don't clearly see the linkage as he's rolling up this criminal that leads to that criminal that leads to that criminal. I kind of don't care. Uh, I wish that was a little stronger though, that, you know, his, his process for, for rolling everybody up. Yeah. Jerry, I'm glad you put that in your notes because I had one note that I, I think I wrote really late at night. I wondered what, what it was. And I think you just hit on it. I, I, I wrote the words and to in, I wrote the two words end game question mark. And I thought, yeah, yeah that, 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 where, where is this going and what's he doing? I, I like the approach. He's very methodical with how he's pulling mm-hmm. this off, but, uh, just what is the end game and, you know, what, what is it for him? Is, is this some type of an internal thing that he has to have mm-hmm. a resolution for? Is this to his, his to do list that he has to like check off all the pieces before he moves yep. on and gets the self satisfaction? Yeah. Yeah. And also the, when Damien breaks into the, um, his computer and he sees all of the other heroes and then an empty space. And I guess Damien is not, you know, his picture hasn't been put into that empty space. Uh, you know, Damien feels like he is being looked over as a hero, you know, ignored or whatever by Tim. I, I, I don't know. It, it seemed like a little bit of a stretch for me. I'm not exactly sure what, what that list was for and, you know, what the exact significance about Damien's face not being in the, the grid. Um, I, I think it's a little similar. It's just like uh, pushing the, their conflict. I think just an excuse for conflict between the two because it is so much fun. Oh, I absolutely agree. Jerry, one thing I was going to ask you, you know, Lynx has sort of been in the background with respect mm. to the pieces that we've been reading where she's popped up. Yeah. Here, I think she gets a more of a deeper role. And I kind of liked that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wondered what your thoughts were if, if you thought, uh, she was handled a little bit better with, with this. And is this a character you kind of grew to like a little more or she's still kind of just on your radar is there? She's kind of just on my radar at this point. I think that they're trying to make um, a linkage, like, you know, Bruce has Catwoman and now Tim has Lynx. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still a Tim, uh, Stephanie Brown fan. I, I, I ship them. Um, so 
and I I understand the the parallels that they may be trying to build between Catwoman and Lynx. Um, I don't know. It seems a little forced to me. Uh, she's a good enough character. Uh, she, you know, I'm still not clear. She's not like a real distinct character yet for me. Um, she's still, I wouldn't say generic baddie, but almost, you know, she's really just recently kind of been developed. So I think we would have to do a little more development of her, um, before I really feel like she's part of the, the bat world. How about yourself? Well, for the record, I want to state, I shipped Tim and stuff as well. Hope everyone's listening. <laughs> Ian, I hope you caught that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I did like that. I just wondered uh, what the perspective was there because it seemed like, mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to ramp something up here. Did it seem forced to me? I don't know. I think I was so taken off guard with the moment in the panel mm, that, uh, yeah. I really didn't I just, I, I, it was more of a shocker for me. I, I really didn't get to uh, analyze it or ask myself the question if it's seemed yeah. forced or not. But it, making the point that you did, Jerry, it is something I will look, now consider. Good, good, right. good, good take on that. Yeah. Now, I also thought it was kind of interesting having anarchy. Um, so he's Ulysses Armstrong. Um, and, you know, Lonnie Macon is in his coma. Uh, so Ulysses. I guess first was the general, and I think we covered um, um, some of his stories on this show in previous episodes. Uh, then he was Red Robin um, after he got the costume from Jason Todd, and now he's Anarchy, and uh, Tim has got the Red Robin gear. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting progression of uh, Ulysses Armstrong as he's kind of changed as a character. Um, you have any feelings one way or the other for uh, Armstrong? Uh this is a character that's sort of kind of if if you were to look like a, at a heartbeat monitor it would kind of just kind of register up a little down a little up a little yeah. down a little up yeah. a little down a little for me uh, I, I it's it's interesting that this character came came back here and of all places i, I don't I, I kind of questioned the inclusion but then after i mm-hmm. I, I saw it pan out i thought well okay that really wasn't that bad i, I sort of yeah. had i've had a love hate re- with respect to the character and his depiction i thought mm-hmm. he was a little more formidable than he actually should be mm. uh, in the past too with the character design and costume oh, I think yeah. that sort of evolved and this reminds me of a discussion I had with uh, Lane over in Dark Knight and Prose who sees the Anarchy mm-hmm. character and said well you should really see how he's depicted in like the uh, home video games and, and just with oh, that and just okay. to see that because I, I kind of showed her like an initial rendering conception of the character when he appeared in uh, one of the Batman animated series books and she kind of mm. looked at it like Oh, well, that's different. I wonder how he, I wonder how he can move around in that costume because he really didn't have any, you know, uh, he, he just went from head to shoulders and there was really no neck to the character and he just kind of drove around in this big flowing, uh, red garment thing and it was just kind of weird. So. Yeah, I, I I like the premise of the character. I just don't know if he's always been executed and used to his full potential. How about that? Yeah, yeah that's where I'll land. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So uh, one, you know, a little bit of a, a negative that I found on this when Tim visited Hong Kong, I found it was a little confusing because the people, I mean, hardly anybody looked Asian. Um, and I, it took me a little while, took me a couple of pages of reading back and forth to say, okay, yes, he's actually in Hong Kong. I don't know if you found that, if you were, um, confused by that too. Jerry, I honestly didn't notice until I saw it in your note and I had my jaw kind of dropped and, and I thought to myself, how did I miss that? Because, Uh, you know, I've been trying to be looking at things with a little more critical eye, but I thought that was an excellent point. Okay. And now good news. 
Bruce is back. Yes, finally, about time. <laughs> just, yeah. just when I've sort of settled into, you know, kind of dismissing all these stories, well, this is not, you know, one of my more favorite ones because Bruce isn't around and all isn't quite right with the world. I'm finally yeah. warming up to the place we are. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now, now he's back. <laughs> so, yeah. Go figure. So just, yeah. I suppose that, that should say something about a little hidden uh, commentary about my thoughts <laughs> with respect to comics and the time frame. But uh, there we are. Yeah. So I can't wait to see where we go from here. Yeah, me too. And I think we go back a little bit next, next episode to, um, you know, see, see what happens, see how we got here. So look, looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. So where would you put the story, um, in terms of, you know, uh, how would you rate it? Is it must read, recommend? What, what do you think? Well, Jerry, you know, I had, uh, two numbers written down. I put, I wrote a three question mark. I crossed it out. Then I wrote a three and a five. And then I put, crossed it out. Then I went back to a three again. I, I think I'll, trend a little more positive with the pendulum and go 3.5. Mm-hmm. There, the, the characterizations were fine. There was yep. the artwork was superior to a, you know certainly above average. The writing was yep. above average. Characterizations were pitch perfect. I thought we got a little of everything. Pacing seemed to drag here and there, but just when I kind of fell into a lull, it picked right back up again. So mm-hmm. I, I was very pleased with that. I like that we got to see a nice supporting cast, including Vicky mm-hmm. and Steph. And we had a little bit of a shipping thing, I think, which kind of could, you know, <laughs> move the needle depending on how you, how you looked at it. So sure. I'll land on a three and a half out of five okay. bats. Now, would I say it's a must read? No, but it's a good read. It's a good read nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would say, you know, if you're a Tim Drake fan, yeah, go out and try to find this. I think you'll, you'll find an enjoyable story. Uh, regrettably, I think the trade though is just going to be way too hard to track down, and I don't know yeah. if it's available on any of the uh, DC app streaming services, what have you. But uh, the issues are really modestly, you know, uh, priced from online vendors, and you could probably find a if your local comic shop is well stocked, you could probably find these hovering around cover price. So that would be the way to go. And if you're a hardcore mm-hmm. uh, Tim Drake fan, yeah, absolutely, and I would recommend it for those folks. How about you, Jerry? What was your right. rating? And is this a must read? And a recommend. I would bring this in at three and a half as well. I think that's exactly right. This is a good, solid story. I mean, a couple of questions, a couple of um, small missteps, maybe. Uh, not a, a world-changing story, but definitely a solid story. Tim Drake is is a character that I like a lot. So I really enjoy this. I like the voice he's in here. Um, I like that, you know, he's being the detective. He's smart. I think it's good, uh, characterization for Tim. Um, you know, it could be confusing for some beginners with all the Batmans running around. It's kind of explained here, but still it's, you know, you really got to be paying attention, um, to, to who Batman is here. Um, and I, I agree, you know, the, there isn't any big, um, um, events here that are like critical to, Batman lore. This isn't a world killing great book. So I wouldn't say I agree with you. I wouldn't say that this is a must read, but absolutely I'd recommend it. This is a good story. If you're a Tim Drake fan, uh, if you're a Bat Family fan, you like to, um, you know, get stories that have some of the Bat Family come together. Um, I would absolutely recommend this book to someone. Great. Yeah. So now Chris. Uh, we, we love our Batman and you are doing an awful lot of stuff. Um, uh, out on Twitter, you can be found at BTO and Batbooks, and you've been doing reviews for Batman Adventures on Batgirl to Oracle. 
Thank you very much, Jerry. Yes, I have been covering the 90s title so based great. on the animated series. And uh, our next issue that will come up in a few weeks will be covering uh, issue number 23. And mm-hmm. I still have yet to cover any of the annuals, but I have that on the docket as well. That's a great. segment called Chris's Coracopia of Curiosities <laughs> that Stella has awesome. <laughs> dubiously dubbed. i, I got to get my <laughs> alliteration in there somewhere, Jerry. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I also review the Nightwing segment on a segment within a segment so, called yeah. Nightwatch where I look at the Nightwing title from a shipper's lens. And uh, mm. the, at the time of this recording, uh, the last issue of Nightwing dropped, and I uh, can't wait to dive into that. Okay. So I really appreciate that. But Jerry, you're also busy as well, my mm. friend, because not only uh, do you tweet and you talk about independent comics on another podcast that I happen to be familiar with, but you oh, also yes. do a segment on Monster <laughs> Kid Radio and you cover some oh, easy yeah. horror comics. Could you tell the listeners about that? You bet. So over on the podcast Monster Kid Radio, I cover uh, an EC horror comic story every week. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I just go through one story, uh, do a little music in the background, kind of do a little review of it. Um, but all of those EC horror comics are so much fun. Uh, you mentioned the indie comics thing, and you and I do a um, have a podcast called the Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about indie comics, and also, you know, out on Twitter, I talk about Dark Shadows, and we live tweet horror movies at the hashtag Spenguli on uh, Saturday nights, and uh, we had a fun one last night with Straight Jacket, a, um, a Joan Crawford film, which was terrific. She's such a good actor, excellent actress, absolutely unbelievable. So yeah, please don't uh, forget to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy Show. We've got, uh, I guess we're recording our 69th episode uh, later today and that's uh you know we talk about indie comics other pop culture topics we're doing a reread of paper girls we have a memory minute a lot of a lot of great stuff over there uh it's been so much fun to do it with you chris um, so, folks, please check that show out. You can search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy Show. Likewise, Jerry, I've been enjoying it a lot. And, right. hey, we got some comments on our last episode. Nice. And this was the one where we covered Batman Arkham Reborn. We heard from our good oh, friend yeah. uh, Ian Miller at IBM Miller on Twitter. Nice. And he said, wonderful episode. It is intriguing oh. to see a story pulled together from such a disparate books. It does mm. feel like an interesting setup that never went anywhere. That memorable. Yeah. Glad stuff never encountered the new Black Mask, though. Very excited <laughs> for more Red Robin. Yes, I, I hope you enjoyed oh, yeah. our episode today, Ian, and uh, we were we had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, for we sure. also heard on Twitter from some other folks who gave us likes and retweets on our past episode. And let's do a quick little roll call. We heard from Jody Earden at Regal Fan. Thank you so much. We heard from our good buddy Dave at Lava Hog at Lava Hog. He's the creator of the Selling Out Show, which is a fine podcast. Uh, it says, uh, Mary Ellen Moffat broke your heart. <laughs> Dave, uh, my apologies. I, I think I know where yeah. you're going with that one. I catch the reference uh, and my heart goes out to you, my friend. Again, the aforementioned uh, Ian at IBM Miller. And just to give him a quick plug, you can find his excellent insights on Twitter and on the Batman Universe podcast that he does a marvelous job with host Dustin and co-host yep. Steph. Fine, fine show. Check it out. I was honored to step in for a recent episode and I had a lot of fun. We heard from our friend Sean, 42, at Sean at 42 AZ. Awesome. Again, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean 42 so AZ. Fine, fine job with the Squadron Supreme miniseries. Yeah. I've really been enjoying the deep dive with that one with some great analytical stuff. Keep up the great work. We heard from Do Rogers at Do Rogers 324, Robin Stevens at Robin 031 Robin. 
Great. Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern yes. HG. Thank you so much. We heard from our host. It's the Batman Universe at Batman Universe. Oh, it covers comics, movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and more related oh, yeah. to the entire Bat family. We heard from our good friend Randy the Comic Nerd at Randall Andrews yes. 1. Again, a plug for the Selling Out Show. Their Twitter feed is at Selling Out Show. Thank you so much, Dave. And we heard from Catherine Watts at Kathy mm. W. A seven eight five 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 nine two nine, and that's all we had. If I overlooked you, my sincerest and deepest apologies. Let me know on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books, or let Jerry know at Professor Frenzy, and we will be sure to mention you on our next show. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time, where Chris and I will cover Bruce Wayne: The Road Home. My name is Jerry, and I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Down these bats on the ground and attack on the Gotham Station. Bruce and Dick hit the pole, the Batmobile rolls. Time to figure out Riddler's vexation. They uphold the law, sticking penguins craw. I hope no one saw he held Catwoman's paw. When old man had a threatened to splatter Batman's favorite good old chum. The detective creeps in with a kick and a spin Sends him off to Arkham Asylum So many traits I don't know which to go for So many traits Save you some time and a no way It's a podcast Bad books for beginners It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman Two face-loaded minds, Robin trips fine, and the backs up start to sink. Don't count them out or give in to doubt or sell your stock in Batman Inc. So many trades, I don't know which to go for. So many trades, save you some time and a no way. It's a podcast, Bat Books for Beginners. It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman. It's Chris and Jerry talking about Batman.